0: Welcome back to Big Les's League and all rugby league experience. I'm your host, Big Les. Been on and off lately. Had a lot on with school. Had a lot on with extracurricular activities as well. So I haven't been able to do much on the podcast lately. I've been on and off. I apologize for that, but I am getting back into it slowly. Obviously, school's just started. I'm in the second week of school now. Uh, still in year 12. Still got school on. Still got a lot on. So really trying to balance the podcast and school at the moment. But away from that, we are starting the season reviews for each team in the NRL. The first three teams we're doing are the Panthers, the Raiders, and the Knights. I thought I'd get the Panthers out of the way. Obviously, since they've had a pretty perfect season, I wouldn't really want to focus on them too much. I want to do them straight up, and then we can get to the more interesting teams. Obviously, the teams that didn't go too well during this season as well. So the Penrith Panthers, I thought I'd get them out of the way first. Let's go through some of their stats this season. So obviously 20 wins, four losses. Most of those losses obviously being without Nathan Cleary. I thought they definitely over-delivered in 2022. Some sensational football. Nathan Cleary really starting to get into his element as well. 24 years of age, I think now. 23 or 24 years of age. He's got a lot of footy left in him and he is playing some sensational football at the moment obviously just recently got named in the World Cup side as well and you wonder why he's just a freak footballer probably one of the best players in the comp at the moment as well but Penrith really going red hot this season only losing four games that is a sensational sensational record there for the Panthers now we could talk about Nathan Cleary all day but Dylan Edwards I feel like he was the shining light for this team You know, running 300 metres a game being very consistent all year as well just off playing rep football for me if there wasn't a James Sadesco in this competition. If there wasn't a Ryan Pappenhausen in this competition, he'd be playing rep football for me for Australia and for the New South Wales Blues. He is just that good of a footballer. Really great footy for the Penrith Panthers. And a side that's moving forward, he is fantastic. And his return play as well, when he catches the ball after a last tackle kick from the opposition team, his kick returns are phenomenal. So really strong season there, really strong season for Dylan Edwards. I thought that he was definitely definitely. Definitely one of the shining lights. Brian Toto, Jerome Luai, plenty of other guys you could name in this side that had pretty awesome seasons. James Fisher-Harris as well. I'd say he would be pretty consistent all year as well. Solid forward pack. Solid young team. And that's the scary thing about this Penrith Panthers outfit. Whilst losing Apicorosio, a bit of experience in the number nine jersey. They've got Sonny Luke. who has been playing some incredible New South Wales Cup football. And obviously playing for Tonga in the recent game against PNJ. I thought he was quite good there as well in the 14 jersey. So I think that he's an option, obviously, to wear the 14 for the Penny Panthers. Mitch Kenny, obviously the first choice number nine from what I'm hearing. If he's playing on the bench in the grand final, I think that he'd be Definitely set to play in the nine next season, getting him used to playing those minutes. He actually started uh, in the grand final, if I'm not mistaken, either. I think Abby went to the bench at the start of that one. So regardless, I think that he's definitely the first choice hooker going into next season for the Penrith Panthers, just watching him play as well. He's a lot more conservative uh, than an Abicorosau, and it's going to be very interesting to see the dynamic between him, Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai. Obviously, he's not going to be bursting in a dummy half like Abby Abicorosau does. He's going to be more defensively base, and then you bring on a guy like Sonny Luke, who will be quite similar to Abby Coruscant, but he also brings a bit of a kicking game, Sonny Luke, as well, which is what I'll really like to see. A bit of kicking out of dummy half from Sonny Luke. So, very excited to see how Penrith go next season, but reflecting on this season, very successful one for the Penrith Panthers, obviously winning in all their reserve grade grand finals as well, along with the NRL grand final. So, massive year for the Penny Panthers. Just quickly, before we go off to the Canberra Raiders, is as well, Villiamy Kikiao is going to the Bulldogs next year. So, it's reported Luke Garner will be shifting into that back row role. They've also signed Zach Hosking. He's going to be a name to watch. Zach Hosking. They lose Jermaine Hopgood. He would have been the shoe-in to play in the back row for the Penny Panthers, but he's obviously going to Parramatta. So, it's either Zach Hosking or Luke Garner. I'd be keeping an eye on Zach Hosking because the football he played for the Brisbane Broncos, he's a very strong defensive and attacking back rower. He runs great lines. And look, from what I saw from him in the three or four, maybe even five games he played during the season for the Broncos, I was very impressed. So he's definitely a name to look out for there, Zach Hosking. But look, whether it's Garner, whether it's Hosking, I'm very excited to see who ends up taking that role. But I guarantee that both of those guys in the Penrith outfit will do really, really well depending on if they're on Lewis side, depending on if they're on Cleary's side, I don't think it will matter because if the side's moving forward, uh, it's going to be very very big seasons for either of those back rowers. I suspect if one of them starts, one of them will be on the bench because that's how good both of these guys are, especially in a side going forward. We saw Luke Garner when the Tigers were on a run. Luke Garner, he was incredible. Unlucky to be shifted into the centers in some games. I know he's played a little bit of center, but he He is an out-and-out back rower, and I can't wait to see how he goes at the Penrith Panthers. Same for Zach Hosking. Even when the side wasn't moving forward, he still pulled up really impressive stats and really solid defense. So in a side that's moving forward, I think he'll be a massive threat for any defense and the attack as well. He is a solid defender, as I've said many times now. And as I said before, Zach Hosking... Write this name down on the piece of paper because you are going to want to remember him going into next season. He will probably... He might overtake Luke Garner in that starting back row spot during the season because that's how much I rate Zach Hosking. I reckon that he's going to do big things at the Penrith Panthers. But let's go on to the Canberra Raiders now. I could talk about the Panthers all day, but we'll go on and talk about the Raiders now and their season in 2022. I think they overdelivered delivered to make the eight this season to knock out the Melbourne Storm in the first week of, of finals. That is massive. Not many teams can say they knocked out the Melbourne storm in the first week of finals, especially with the star-studded team that Melbourne had going into that game as well. Canberra have been super dominant and pretty much underdogs this season, a team that not many people would have been watching, but really solid football played from them, especially at the back end of the season through Sebastian Chris, who has been phenomenal for them. I think he came in last season, obviously played a few games, coming off the bench, playing in the back row as well. He's super solid. Super solid there, Sebastian Chris. and He gets a crack in the starting centre role for majority of this season, and he really performs well there, uh, Sebastian Chris. So, a massive year for him. Jamal Fogarty coming to the club as well. Other than the injuries that kept him out of this Side for a long while. I consider the Jamal Fogarty signing a success. I think that he did a great job this season when he was playing alongside Jack Whiten. I feel like it's a decent halves pairing. We could see a lot more from them going into this preseason. we very beneficial for them as well. Particularly, they'd be taking a lot of confidence out of this season. Obviously, knocking the Melbourne Storm out of the first week of finals and getting to where they did this season. Definitely not what we expected to see them, especially with all the drama that was happening in- around the club with Joseph Tarpane, with other situations relating to Sticky, which we won't mention, but there was a lot going on in that club, a club not many people thought were going to get into the top eight, but they did, and they did a sensational job, and it was definitely a team where people thought they would be knocked out in the first week. 100%. Hundred percent. I bet you there's people out there that thought that the Canberra Raiders were going to be knocked out in the first week. I had them as underdogs. I did an underdog bet, and that was a smart bet from me. I picked the Canberra Raiders over the Melbourne Storm. It's very similar to the Parramatta and Penrith situation, where Parra can beat Penrith in some games, obviously, and then Penrith can beat Parra in some games as well. Obviously, looking at the grand final, but Canberra and Melbourne have a very similar dynamic, especially when you get close to the finals. But look, Canberra, very, very impressed with them this season. Very impressed with where they've got. Particularly, as I said before, with all of the drama that happened during the year. A big thing that really set in stone that Canberra weren't going to make the finals for me was Josh Hodgson. Tearing his ace yell at the start of the season, out for the rest of the season. Obviously, that meant that he was officially a Parramatta reel to some. And then the hooker debacle, a team that didn't have a set in stone dummy half until right at the end of the season when they decided to go with Zach Wolford for the rest of the season. For a team that didn't have a set in stone dummy half, Dummy half, they did very, very well. And I thought that Zach Wolford, when he came in, he had some solid games, especially in defense. He's a very good defensive dummy half. I could definitely see him maybe moving into a lock forward sort of role. If Danny Levi comes into this side, say he signs, it's confirmed Danny Levi will go to the Canberra Raiders. They've got Madge coming in as well, which is massive. I could say Zach Wolford may be shifting into a roaming lock forward role off the bench. We see it at so many clubs with obviously Connor Watson. Now, I'm not comparing Connor Watson to Zach Wolford. Body shape may be a little bit similar, but I'm talking about defense. A ball playing lock forward. I'm thinking more me Victor Radley's here. Victor Radley came through as a dummy half and transitioned into a lock forward. I think that the same thing can definitely happen with Zach Wolford. As I said, very, very similar body shapes as well and solid in defense. I could definitely see him transitioning into that role. And that is only if, that is if Danny Levi comes to the club. Yeah, I don't think Danny Levi will start straight away. I could see Danny Levi playing 14 for a little while. You either have Zach Wolford or Tom Starling in the number nine jersey. If Zach Wolford turns into that roaming lock forward, you'd assume that maybe to start the season, you have Tom Starling in the number nine jersey bring on Danny Levi, and Danny Levi would obviously transition into the starting nine, or they could just chuck him in straight away. Be very interesting to see if Danny Levi goes to the club, uh, like rumors suggest and like rumors are saying that he's pretty... Much already signed there. Um, it'd be very interesting to see how he fits into that club as well. A very, very different to your Josh Hodsons as well, who are a little bit more conservative and a very good kicking game. Very, very different, Dummy Half, Danny Levi, and it'd be very interesting to see how he would fit into the side next season. But we're talking about this season Josh Hodson, ACL hook a debacle, and they still get into the top eight. A very successful season for the Canberra Raiders. Jamal Fogarty also, as I said, coming into this side, a massive success there, that signing. A really solid season from the Canberra Raiders, considering all the things that did go wrong for them. And we'll talk about it now. So after the two of their three opening games, the Raiders went on a five-match losing streak from round four to round eight. Now, that was a tough time, especially I think that was just after Hodgson did, did his ACL. They went on that losing streak because they just didn't know their dummy half was. The dynamic was a bit lost. Jamal Fogarty wasn't in the side either because he was injured. There was a lot of things going wrong. Keep in mind, those four teams were the Manly Seagulls, the Melbourne Storm, the Cowboys, and the Panthers. Very, very tough teams there, and any team could lose to them. Now, Canberra, obviously, You'd probably think they'd still lose to the Panthers, maybe the Cowboys. The Cowboys weren't too strong to start the season, to be honest. So look, I think any team in the bottom eight could have gone on that losing streak, especially with a draw like that. Manly, Storm, Cowboys and Panthers. Now we touched on it before, but the Raiders' back end of the season as well was super solid, super solid. They won four of their last games before finals as well to get into the top eight. The Brisbane Broncos obviously had a very, very depressing decline to get out of the top eight. They were in the top four, for God's sake, and we thought that they were going to stay there and be an absolute force in the finals, which they probably would have been because they would have had Patrick Carrigan back as well. But Broncos dropped out. Obviously, the Raiders came in and they did a great job. And as I said before, to sum it all up, great season by the Raiders, particularly considering everything that did go wrong for them to overcome those adversities and to still make the finals that battle would have been horrendous to go through for any club and they did a great job so the Raiders a massive season for them just to clarify I got the most votes on random order that's why I'm doing a very very random order for these team reviews not going down the ladder Because I think it wouldn't be very interesting if I started off with all the good teams and then ended with all the shit ones. I think it would be better for everyone if I just did it in random order. That way, every single review that comes out would be interesting because you'd have a mix of good teams and the not-so-good teams from the 2022 season. So that's why I'm doing it in random order. And it also got the most votes on that Instagram poll that I put up a few days ago. But the last team we're going to talk about is the Newcastle Knights. Now, usually, usually the Knights are always the team similar to the Raiders this year that you don't expect, but they always find their way into the finals, into the top eight. The Knights are always that team, the underdogs that always come through and always get their way into the top eight. They didn't do it this year. In fact, they were much closer to the bottom of the ladder this season. Now, obviously, the big factor to the downfall There was two big factors to the downfall. The first one was losing halfback Mitchell-Pierce. And they honestly did not have a solid halves pairing. Now, I've said it for a while now. Kurt Mann-Mitchell-Pierce was probably the best halves pairing they've had in the past three years. Years now, I really don't think there's any chance of getting Mitch Pierce back anytime soon, but they've still got Kurt Mann now. He comes off contract at the end of 2024, I believe. They need to re sign him before November 1, otherwise, he's free to negotiate with other clubs, which would just be a headache for the club. So is Jake Clifford, so is Adam Clune. So that's basically all of their halves, plus they're training Kalen Ponga. One of the best fullbacks in the game when he plays at his best. They're training him at 5'8". And this just does my head in because... Why would you want a player that is suffering from concussions already playing at fullback to be in the defensive line? It is the dumbest thing I have ever heard. Why would you want a player to have more chance? This is your key player. This is your captain we're talking about. Having more chances of sustaining more concussions and being out for longer. The last thing the Newcastle Knights need going into next season is for Callum Ponga to be out for a long time period of time. That is the last thing that the Newcastle Knights need going into next season. Kalen Ponga at his best is one of the best fullbacks in the comp. Why would you want to fix something that isn't broken? If they move Kalen Ponga into the number six, They don't have a fullback. They had the chance to sign Scott Drinkwater. They didn't. He's re-signed with the North Queensland Cowboys. They don't have a fullback if they put KP at 5-8. They've lost Tex Hoy as well. Tex Hoy, I think he's going, I don't remember where, but he's definitely going to the Super League next season. So you won't have him in the fullback jersey. That is another headache for the Newcastle Knights going into next season. If they put KP at 6, they don't have a fullback. If they put KP at fullback, they don't have a 6. Now, they signed twice in Gamble. I believe he'll be playing in the number seven. From the whispers I'm hearing, they're not keen on signing Jake Clifford for the next few seasons. They're also not too keen on signing Adam Kloon. Now, I would really be pushing for this Adam Kloon signing. If you don't get it, you're freeing up cash for Jake Clifford. You're freeing up cash from Adam Kloon. Now, I don't know the exact payments they were on, but... At the top of my head, it would probably be around, in total, around 600 to maybe even 700k that you're getting freed up from those halves leaving the club. Tyson Gamble, you push him to seven. What makes sense for me is you push Kurt Mann to six. You get him lean and mean. You get Caelan Ponga and Kurt Mann really, really conditioned well going into next season so they are less chance of getting injured. As I said before, and I'll say it a million times, Kurt Mann, Mitchell Pierce, the best halves pairing they've had over the past three years. Kurt Mann can do a lot of things for you in the number six. I think his best position is six. A lot of people say his best position is lock forward. I can understand it, but he gets too injured there. He gets way too injured there. He's better off in the six, and he's really, really creative in the six as well. You put a guy like Tyson Gamble in the number seven, who is just a goer. You really work with that halves pairing going into next season. Now, I'm not expecting the Newcastle Knights to get anywhere near the top eight, anywhere near the top eight going into next season. Why? Because I think they're on a bit of a rebuild phase. They're on a bit of a rebuild phase because they don't have halves. Now, Going back to that discussion, freeing up cash with Adam Clune and obviously with Jake Clifford. They can go into the market, invest in a half. You're really not keen on Kurt Mann at the six. I definitely am. That's the way I'd be swinging if I was the coach of the Newcastle Knights. I'm not, not qualified enough. Fair dinkum. But if I was the Newcastle Knights coach, I would be putting Kurt Mann into the six and investing in a number 13. I think that is definitely what the Newcastle Knights need right now. A 13, they've got depth in the halves. They've got Phoenix Crossland, which, by the way, if you bulk him up, he could be a great 13 as well. He's quite a tall half, so you could definitely get him into that 13 jersey quite well. I'd probably rather him coming off the bench, though, not starting. I'd invest in a starting 13 who can just do a lot for you. If you don't want to swing that way... Matt Croker in the number 13 jersey. When he's been there this season, I thought he looked really, really good. So he'd be someone I'd be considering to play in the 13 next season. Invest in some forwards maybe, just some goers in the front row. If David Clement leaves, that's even more cash in the bank. But I'd be trying to keep him because he is definitely one of your key enforcers and leaders in the forward pack as well. There's definitely a lot on for the Newcastle Knights, and I've basically done a little preview going into next season because it's definitely everything that I'll be talking about going into next season for the Newcastle Knights. But we'll sort of stick to this season. Where did it fall apart for the Newcastle Knights? There was a massive, massive losing streak for them, particularly early on. They won the first two games of the season, and then they just went on an absolute downfall. It was not good for the Newcastle Knights. A lot of things happened. Coaching dramas, halves dramas. Now, we saw a similar effect go down at Brisbane where they didn't have a solid halves pairing and they were chopping and changing all season. I tell you now, teams that chop and change their halves every single game will not get anywhere close to the top eight. It is just a fact. We've seen it over the past three years with the Brisbane Broncos and now with the Newcastle Knights. If you don't keep a solid halves pairing, then your team will not get anywhere near the top eight. We've even seen it to the Bulldogs to some extent. Obviously, chopping and changing between Kyle Flanagan and Brandon Wakem and... Jake Averillo even went to halfback. Like successful teams, trust their players, trust their halves. If it's not working, work with the players. Do not chop and change willy nilly because it will not get you far at all. There's no point in putting two halves in a team for two games and expecting everything to go right in those two games. Realistically, It won't. It will not go right. I bet you when Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai first met and they were playing in the halves together in SG ball or whatever the fuck it was, they probably didn't gel it as well as they do now. This takes time and that is what the Newcastle Knights need. They need time and they need to work with their players, work with the players they've got and they need to not put Kalen Ponga in the number six Keep KP at one. You put Kurtman into the six. That might just be my opinion, but I would love to see Kurtman in the six and Tyson Gamble in the seven. Invest in some forwards, just some goers. And then after that, after this off season, stick with what you've got, work with what you've got, start a rebuild and get your side better over the next few years. This isn't a one-year plan. It's not a six-month plan. It is a multi-year plan. Plan. I would say two to three years before the Newcastle Knights get anywhere near the top eight again. Now, they could have a massive season with Tyson Gamble in the seven and get into the top eight. Don't get me wrong, it's rugby league, anything could happen. But for me, the Newcastle Knights won't get anywhere near the top eight for another two to three years. And particularly with the situation they're in now, they don't know whether their fullback will be playing in the six or in the one. It's just an absolute mess, and they need to sort out their halves pairing. They need to sort out what they're doing with KP. They need to sort out a captain for the side. They need to get some really harsh goers in that side. They need to sort out what's going on with David Klemmer. There's a lot of things on the Knights' plate this offseason, and they really need to work if they're going to be anything next Season And it's going to be, as I said, a multi-year plan. So I can't wait to see how the comp looks next season, if it's very similar to this season or if it's changed up completely. For me, it won't change up too much, but I'm very excited to see if the Knights have an inch of success next season because I love watching the Knights go well. I really do. I love KP highlights because he's an absolute highlight reel. I really do hope for Knights success, but I just can't see. I can't see it happening for the Newcastle Knights unfortunately as much as I would really want it to I just can't see it happening so look a lot on their plate let's see if they can handle it going into 2023 but look their 2022 just to wrap everything up it was a very mixed bag a lot of things happening but as I said let's see if they can handle the pressure going into next season Whoa.